is great to be back with you to celebrate this happy, wonderful time of the year. And I'm just glad I can be here. I'd like to read from the scripture from the Old Testament book of Zechariah, chapter 12, beginning at verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. On that day, the weeping in Jerusalem will be great, like the weeping of Hadad Ramon in the plain of Megiddo. The land will mourn each clan by itself. But on that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. And this is the word of the Lord. I am fascinated by beautiful fountains. There's the fountain of Trevi in Rome, the eagle and the Galleon fountain in the Vatican, and I've seen many, many other beautiful fountains, and I always just stop and admire them. And in this passage of scripture that I've just read, Zechariah, quoting God, talks about a fountain. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. Before I actually talk about the verse, let me give you just a little bit of background so that we can appreciate it a little bit more. Zechariah was a prophet who came back with a, a group of people from 70 years of captivity in Babylon. And their main purpose was to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed 70 years before. It was great to be back, but they still had a great deal of sorrow. Zechariah, who was a contemporary of, of Zechariah, uh, I, I said that one wrong, <laughs> Haggai, who was a contemporary of Zechariah, said about the people as they were laying the foundation for the new temple, he, he said to them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? And it was smaller and it wasn't going to be as beautiful. And the people, even though they were home, even though they were back in their own land, they were not happy. 
And you know, I, I think I see a parallel to this in our own country. I, I remember vividly during World War II that in America we were thinking, if we can just end this war, we'll be happy. And the war ended and the Cold War came. And we said, if we can only end this war, we can be happy. And that ended, and other things came, depressions and, and setbacks financially. And it seemed like we never really became happy and content the way we wanted to be. And this was what was happening to Israel. But God had a message for them. And let me read what he had to say. From Zechariah chapter 1. The Lord was very angry with your forefathers. Therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your forefathers, to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed, this is what the Lord Almighty says, turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention, says the Lord. Where are your forefathers now? And the prophets do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your forefathers? And then they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done this to us. What our ways deserve, just as he determined to do. The basic problem of the people of Israel at that point in history, and I believe of our own nation in our day, was the problem of sin. And in, in the prophecy, God said, just repent, return to me. I can change everything for you. But the people were very slow to hear that. And so out of the discouragement, out of the pain, Zechariah speaks about a fountain. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. And I think that from that, there are certain lessons that we can learn in our day in order to deal with disappointment and heartache. The first lesson is this. We desperately need a cleansing from sin. God was trying to get that message through. And so he gave Zechariah a series of visions and dreams. 
He speaks of one of them in chapter 3, where he sees the high priest, but he's dressed in dirty clothes. And he asks the Lord, what, what does this mean? And he said, the high priest represented, represents you. And he's wearing filthy clothes because you have sinned. Then in chapter 5, he, he recounts for us how he, in a vision he saw this huge basket. And it was full of something. And he said to the Lord, what does this mean? What's in the basket? And God said, your sins are in that basket. And then God kept speaking, but the people kept ignoring him. And it got worse and worse until in chapter 11, verse 8, it says that the people detested God. And they pierced an innocent person. And that brings us back to chapter 12. And it says, they will look on me, the one they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. And grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son but God will give a spirit of grace and when God gives a spirit of grace it leads us to the place of repentance so the apostle Paul writes in Romans 2 4 God's kindness leads you toward repentance John the Baptist preached a very simple message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is very near. And the fulfillment of all this began at the cross of Jesus Christ. We read in John 19, 37, all these things related to the crucifixion, all these things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. They will look on the one they have pierced. And in Luke 23, 48, it says, And when all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. And it records in the book of Acts chapter 2 that after Peter had preached a powerful sermon in which he said to the people, and you took the innocent son of God and crucified him. And it says, and they were cut to the heart. We need that spirit of repentance. We need to return to God. And we need to realize that it was for your sins and my sins that Jesus died on the cross. The hymn writer put it this way. Was it for sins 
that I had done, he suffered on the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. It was my sins and your sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. And we need to admit that fact. It was over 25 years ago that I was preaching a sermon here in Black Rock, and I made a statement that I was told by the person had changed his life. He, and this is what I said. If you were the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus Christ would have died for you. That was 25 years ago, and he was on stage playing the guitar today. And you don't know what that did for me to see 25 years later and Jesus had changed his life and he's still serving him. A second lesson that we need is that mourning for sin is a preparation for cleansing from sin. It's hard to admit our sin it's hard for us to do that, but that's where it starts. I know in my life, so often I find myself saying, oh, if only I hadn't said that. If only I hadn't done that. If only I hadn't desired that. And, and my life looks clogged up, but that's the beginning of true repentance. We need to take a good, hard look at our lives. And when we see sin there, confess it to the Lord. And yes, even mourn over it. I find myself at times just saying to the Lord, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what I did. And that's the beginning of true repentance. The third lesson that we can learn is that Christ is that fountain that cleanses from sin. For that fountain that Zacharias spoke of represented the blood of Jesus Christ. In 1 John 1, 7, it says, the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. And Hebrews 9.14 says, how much more then will the blood of Christ cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death? There is a beautiful hymn I'm going to quote it for you, not sing it. I'm going to quote it. Uh, but if you have never heard it, it may shock you. And you may, you may have strange feelings that, from the words. But if you've ever been there, 
If you've ever experienced it, you will find that these words are something that we come to love and cherish. Here's how it goes. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood and they lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and will be till I die. And another hymn writer put it this way, plenteous grace with thee is found, grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound, make and keep me pure within. Thou of life, the fountain art, Freely let me take of thee. Spring thou up within my heart. Rise to all eternity. The cross of Jesus Christ is the place where every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And he invites us to come to that fountain. And that's the final lesson. We must choose to come to the fountain. Jesus himself said in John chapter 7, If a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow within him. And in Jeremiah, God himself speaks, and he says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. What a stupid choice to choose a dead, green-covered, smelly cistern when you could drink living water from the fountain of life. But the choice is up to us. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water. Thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched. My soul revived. And now I live in him. 
About four weeks ago, something happened in my life that was very different. Uh, we had just had a vicious nor'easter the night before. Trees were down, electric wires were down. I lost my electricity for 24 hours. My phone was dead. My cell phone was dead. And uh, I was kind of isolated uh, alone in, in my house. In the meantime, something was happening that I wasn't aware of. A rumor had started that I had died. And so people were calling my house to see what, if they could find out anything. And of course, the phone didn't even ring and nobody was there. And so that just fed the rumor even more. And I didn't know anything about it. Well, several hours later, my granddaughter drove in the driveway and I saw her, I was looking out the window and she got out of her car and she ran up to my house. And I thought, she doesn't usually do that. I wonder what's up. And she came in and she threw her arms around me. Papa, Papa, you're alive. And I said, of course I am. <laughs> and uh, well, I, all I could think of was uh, the, the famous statement, uh, the... the the reports and rumors of my death have been grossly overstated. <laughs> and I quoted that quite a few times. Uh, one of my sons uh, on, a, on a private Facebook page just for our family uh, wrote and said, I'm so glad dad has postponed his wake so he can play tennis tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, we did, we kind of laughed and chuckled. But then when that was over, I did some soul searching. And I said to myself, what if this had been true? Because sometime soon, you're going to hear that Stanley Allaby died. And it's not going to be a rumor either. And I thought, was I ready? And then the thought came, You've been to the fountain. You've been there. You put your faith in Jesus. Your sins are covered. They're gone. And I'm ready to go whenever he calls. But then I had another question. Okay, but have you been there recently for cleansing? And I thought, oh, I don't do that enough. And I found myself going again to the fountain and saying, Lord, cleanse my life today. Cleanse my mind, my thoughts, my motives. Help me to be clean and pure and live a life for your glory before other people. We all need to go to the fountain. And we're all invited to come. In Isaiah 55, 1, it says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And in Revelation 21, 6, it says, To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the fountain of the water of life.
I urge you today, take this fountain seriously. See that it was talking about the cross of Jesus and what he did. Confess your sins. Commit your life to him and drink from the living waters. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.